message will encourage you. I'm the kind of person who wants order around me before I start. And I'm like, oh, this needs to be here, this needs to be here, that needs to be there, and I'm going to start the clock here. So it's good to see everyone. Sounds like it's an exciting year with that newsletter, and I encourage you all to be a part of it. Um, it's only going to empower and equip you. Um, we, as Dan said, we went away, and I knew I had a problem when I was lying down on the deck chair, and I at a magazine and I was looking at Rihanna's dress and I wanted to see the dress closer and I'm trying to zoom in to the magazine to enlarge this girl's dress and I realized enough technology. It has taken over my life. So rest is good, right? Don't fear if you haven't gone away over the summer, if you haven't taken necessary rest because today I am going to attempt to teach you how we can draw from the rest of God continually. So we are divided into three parts. I've missed you, Amy. Haven't seen you, what, seven weeks? Mind, body, and spirit. Allah, start over, rewind. She distracted me. We are body, spirit, and soul. So body, you know, we're very aware of our body. We're very aware when our body is hungry, when our body is thirsty, I mean, I'm married to someone who is very aware when he's hungry. I mean, we have staff meeting on a Sunday morning, and after about two hours, Dan stops the meeting, right, who's hungry? And we're like, you know, well, we can eat later. No, I have to eat right now. And we stop the meeting, we have to drive him to the mall, get him food, and then we can start the meeting again. Otherwise, we don't want to see a hangry Dan. Once we were in Istanbul, and um, he, he's got this book called Istanbul Eats. And so we we're paging through, where are the best kebabs in Istanbul? And so he chose one. And um, I think culinary backstreets was quite deceiving because it didn't end up being in the backstreet. And so we thought, okay, well, let's try and follow the map to this place. And we catch our tram down the mountain, and we get, and we go, oh, looks like we have to go over the sea. Looks like we have to catch a cruise ship to get to the other side. Well, well, let's just do that. Let's get to the other side, and when we're there, we're like, oh, wow, looks like we have to catch a bus to get to this kebab. Now he's getting a little edgy. He's getting a little hungry. And so we're now catching a bus. We don't know where this bus should drop us off. We don't know where we are. And so we thought, okay, just let's, let's just drop us off now. It should be around the corner. And we ended up walking for kilometers to find this kebab place. Eventually, we get to, we think, oh, there it is. And we look at it, and it's like old and falling apart. And we're like, oh, dear. But we have come this far. Like, quickly, he hasn't seen us. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And the old man comes in, and welcome. there's not one person in that kebab place. And we go in and sign language to each other, and he orders something for us, we eat it, and it was the best kebab that we tasted. We got him to sign this little book, and, and um, we had to then catch a ship and a boat and a tram back and ended up at nighttime. So we go to great lengths to make sure that our bodies are satisfied. Then we have the spirit. Now, the spirit in 2 Corinthians it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. 
Ezekiel 11, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them a heart of flesh, a heart of stone, and put in a heart of flesh. And as we can read behind me in Romans 8, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. The spirit producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. So the Holy Spirit, we do not have a Holy Spirit before we encounter Jesus. The spirit comes inside of us and begins a sanctification process. Sanctification comes from the Greek word in the, in the, in the Strong's Concordance. It actually means the renewal of your soul. And so the spirit comes in and starts to renew your soul. Now, what is the soul? Because this is the bulk of my message. What is the soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And those three need to connect together. The Hebrew term nefesh can be translated life, heart, mind. So nefesh is used in Genesis 2-7, when Jesus creates Adam out of dust. And what does he do? He blows his breath into Adam. And what does it say? That the man became a living creature or soul. It is your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, which is the immaterial part of you that will survive beyond this life. It is the central thing about you. It is the deepest part of you. It is where you hold your secrets, your desires, your passions. It is who you are. We are not bodies with souls. We are souls with living in temporary bodies that will fade away. Um... Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So bless the Lord, O my soul, means that the soul is connected, connecting the oneness with God. 3 John, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Some translations even say, even as your soul prospers. So God desires our soul, our mind, our will and emotions to be prospering, not the outside of us. Often you hear people saying that I'm falling apart. I feel like my life is is falling apart. I'm coming apart at the seams. And that's because it's your soul that is desperately crying out to be made whole. Matthew 16, Jesus said these famous words, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world But lose your soul. Is anything worth more than your soul, Jesus says? Is anything worth more than your soul, than who you are? To lose your soul means to lose, to no longer have a healthy center that guides us. We're like a car without a steering wheel. We're a crash waiting to happen. And our world has replaced the word soul with the word self. It's not the same thing. Trying to feed yourself, trying to feed yourself is shallow. The soul is the depths of who you are. Look at the reality TV stars. It's all about self. It's all about self, but it's never enough because they, they, they don't even realize that they're neglecting the soul. 
They self, it's like there's not enough fame. It's like world domination, not enough money. There's not enough beauty. Their, their, their beauty changes. Their sexuality changes because they are longing for something more, but it's not being satisfied. You can't, you can't satisfy it with self. John Orberg says from the book Soul Keeping, a paradox of the soul is that it is incapable of satisfying itself, but it's also incapable of living without satisfaction. The soul craves to be secure. The soul craves to be loved. The soul craves to be significant. Our soul craves. We can see that with Netflix. What is the next series? If, you, if you're hooked on a series, I want to see the next episode. If you're hooked on a book, I just want to read the next chapter. What about position? I want more. I want more position. But will it ever satisfy? Will it ever satisfy? We try and fill that with different relationships. We live in an unsatisfying state. So, what will bring us satisfaction? Jesus met someone with a soul thirst. Look behind me in John 4, verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. In verse 9, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? So she's thinking practically, still not getting it thinking just temporary thirst. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. I just want to continue with that, with that story, is that Jesus carries on and says to the woman, go fetch your husband. And she says, um, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with, you're not married to. Jesus' goal was to help the woman to create an awareness that her soul was thirsty for something. Clearly, she was looking for something. Through five different men, was not able to satisfy the longing in her heart for something deeper. For something that was created when God breathed into her, he created her for oneness with him, but she was trying to find it in something else and in someone else. And that's what we have to do, is we have to create an awareness for people. And so the main point here is Jesus satisfies our souls. How will she know if Jesus didn't tell her? He doesn't announce to her, hi, I'm the Messiah, can I have a drink of water? He takes her on a journey where he made, her, he made himself attractive. He didn't expose her. He knew the truth about her. He waited for her to initiate that conversation. He only, only announced right at the end that he was Jesus and that he could offer this living water. And that's what the church should be, an oasis. If we look at the picture behind me of an oasis, 
in the desert. An oasis is formed in the desert when there's an underground river or water source beneath the surface. And that's what we need to be for people in this desert region. It's incredibly harsh out there. And people need to be drinking from the well. We need to be creating oases and streams in the desert. That is the call and mandate on our church. We need to be making um, it attractive for people to come. We met a wonderful lady um, last weekend, a Brazilian lady, and uh, we were having coffee. And she said, what do you do? So we said, we pastors. And, and she goes, wow, so you go to church? She said, yes, we go to church every Friday. We have an amazing community. You should come. And she goes... You know, and she's this very extroverted, lovely, friendly, warm person. And she said, you know, I often think in Dubai with my friends, if something had to happen to me, if I had to die, would anyone know? Would anyone notice if I'm gone? And Dan and I were like, I said to her, do you know that my husband and I carry hundreds of people in our heart? We constantly texting, following up, calling phoning, inviting. We want to see how you're doing. We miss you. They've become a part of our lives. We know when someone is straying. And it's like God has just put this on our heart to just like a shepherd, just come, come and and just enjoy the community. And she was blown away. She says, you will definitely find me. And you know, when Jesus, when that woman ran back to her whole village and said, please come, please come and meet this man that told me everything about myself, that tells me I need living water, just come. And you see the village running towards Jesus and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to him, don't tell me that the harvest is in four months time. The harvest is now. The harvest is ready. And I'm telling you, the harvest is upon us here in Dubai. There are people that need the living water of Jesus and we need to bring it to them. We need to make them desire it. Have you ever smelled hot bread? It's like sometimes when you walk out of this warehouse, we've got the modern bakery, and it's like, what is that? Give me that hot bread. I didn't know I wanted it, but I want it now. Dan and I judge every restaurant based on if they give us hot, fresh, complimentary bread and butter. Then that was a good restaurant. I don't care about the main. But it's like it needs, you need, we need to be creating awareness in people's souls that they are hungry for Jesus and that Jesus can satisfy. John 6 verse 35 in the Amplified. Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry. And the one who believes in me as Savior will never be thirsty. For that one will be sustained spiritually. Psalm 107, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now God created Eden. He created this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve, but he created it so that he could be with Adam and Eve. Our souls were made to be with God. Adam and Eve said that they heard God walking in the cool of the day. He walked in the garden. Walking is so intimate. Would you go walking with a stranger? Walking speaks of two lovers, speaks of parents and children, speaks of friends, speaks of, um, it's not even about the walk. It's about being with that person. And our souls were made to walk with God. And when they sinned, they hid. And God has been pursuing man and woman and will continue to pursue us until our souls find rest in Him. 
Psalm 63, O God, you're my God. With deepest longing, I will seek you. My soul, my life, my very self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and sighs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And number two, is another main point is that Jesus restores our soul. As I'm getting older or I don't even know what, maybe more complicated, who knows, but Psalm 23 has become my favorite psalm. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack. I shall not be in need when the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. You might not realize that your soul needs restoration because you've been so busy that you haven't stopped to take notice. But soon, like your Kindle and like your device, it just has, it starts to freak out on you and it starts to say, I'm shutting down. And so will you start to shut down if you don't allow the shepherd to lead you beside still waters and to restore your soul. He restores my soul. The literal translation is he causes my life to return. The word restore means replenish to its original state. Restoring my soul means God keeps me going and gives the enjoyment of my life back. Who's not enjoying their life? God promises that when he restores your soul, he will bring joy to your heart. He makes me lie down. He doesn't invite you to lie down. He doesn't plead with you to lie down. He makes you lie down. Like a father would, like a mother would with a child that doesn't know how to put themselves to sleep. They're so excited. They eventually pick up their child and they say, it is bedtime for you. Is it bedtime for your soul? One of the ways that God restores our soul, and this is truth, I can tell you that this is truth, that years from now, you can find your other ways of trying to find restoration, but you'll come back to this. This is truth. Silence. Silence is a way that our soul will be restored. I don't know when your soul starts to wage war on rest and on peace. I don't know if it's when you get older and you have a job and you've got bills to pay and you've got more responsibilities. I don't know if it's when you're a teenager and there's all sorts of comparisons and insecurities and pressures and deadlines. I don't know if it was at the start of ushering in technology where this is your companion 24-7. This does not rule my life. Or does it? You can't live with it and you can't live without it. Technology is loud. Social media is loud. It's rude. It's obtrusive. It's demanding. Emails are loud. People are loud. They have certain expectations that leave you tired and weary. I read an article in the Gulf News this last week. Do you tend to panic immediately if your phone runs out of battery or isn't beside you even for a while? Beware, you may develop nomophobia. 
That can cause increase in heart rate, anxiety, blood pressure, and unpleasant feelings, researchers, researchers have warned. Nomophobia, or smartphone separation anxiety, is the feeling of discomfort or anxiety caused by the non-availability of a mobile device, enabling habitual virtual communication. Nomophobia, fear of missing out, FOMO, and fear of being offline, FOBO, are all anxieties born of our new high-tech lifestyle, and it may be treated similarly to other traditional phobias. So aren't we all guilty of that? You arrive at a hotel, or you arrive at somebody's house, and it's, what's the Wi-Fi code? What's the Wi-Fi password? It's like Wi-Fi has become like air and like breath to us. I remember, we have to fight for rest. For us, and silence for ourselves and for our children who are growing up in a world that they don't know any different. The friends of ours have just gone away to, uh, to Corfu with their family of eight or nine, and they, they're quite prominent on social media, and they spent two weeks without taking their phones. Every single child had to leave their phone behind. And I wrote after and I said, I missed you on, on social media. And I felt like I was so disconnected just because I couldn't see you on, on social media. And she said, it was incredibly healing for our family. We need to be putting boundaries in place. We're living in a different world to what we used to live in. I remember in my holidays when I was living, we would go to the South Coast. It was so simple. We'd pack our bags and my parents would be like, and, and we go for three weeks. We're gone. We're gone. No one knows. We've gone down to the south coast to my grandparents, and we will see you when we get back. We don't take our phones with us with all our problems, with all our emails, with all our anxieties, with all the, that you can contact us whenever you want to. We didn't take you on holiday. We're just with our family. We're living in a different world. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out, rages war on our soul because what we can do is we can be in a good place and then we can look on social media and you can feel like you're missing out. You can feel like, for the single ladies, you feel like you're missing out on your partner when other people announce things. You feel like people have, are, are buying houses and you're not buying houses yet. But as long as you are connected to the source, which is Jesus, you are not missing out. Silence allows us to rest. The second thing is God restores our souls by observing nature. <clears throat> Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now I have a mountain friend, and he's in Oman. And I was just staring at this mountain when we were in Oman for four days. And Dan would say to me, don't you want to read something? Don't you want to read your Kindle? Don't you want to... And I was like, this mountain doesn't want 10 points on leadership. This mountain doesn't want deadlines. This mountain is my friend. He's not talking to me. This mountain is just restoring my soul. He doesn't want my vision, and he doesn't want anything. So I'm going to stare at him for as long as it takes until I feel my soul being restored. If you look at your phone the whole time, it is such a small, small world. Let's stop. Let's put our technology down and let's look at something that is bigger than us. 
Because as you marvel at the works of God's hands and you begin to see how big our God is, not how small our world is, where we are connected to the internet and not connected to the source. We need to look up that psalm is, lift up my eyes. We need to look up from our circumstances. Look up from our technology. Look up. Don't be so downcast. Do you know that right through the psalms, that David wrote the psalms, he was in nature. He was inspired by nature. When Dan and I went for a hike in the wadi, which was an incredible highlight for us, it was beautiful. The temperatures in Oman were like 20 degrees. It was a 20 degree drop. We had blankets, jerseys, raining every day. And so we're walking along these wadis and we're seeing goats and we're seeing foxes and all sorts of things. And um, Dan's speaking to the Omani uh, guy that's showing us around. And Dan says, what does your dad do? And he said he, was, he looked after goats. I was like, wow, how much more hidden can you get than this little village in the top of the mountain looking after goats? But that's what David did. David was a shepherd boy in the hidden places with the surroundings that we probably saw. And so when he looked at that psalm and he wrote, as the deer pants for water, he was observing a deer. He was observing a deer, panting and longing for the waters. We need to be drawing strength and, and rest from nature. The third thing is God restores our soul by reading his word. Our souls need God's word, not another podcast, not another sermon. There is no replacement for God's word. You know, people come to church and, yeah, it was a great message, but I felt like I needed more. I felt like I needed more. It's because we cannot satisfy that longing that the pure word of God can do. The words of God, you know, podcasts and all these sermons are great for inspirational, motivational, sharing on truth, pointing you to Jesus, who is the source, but it can never replace the word of God. You know, it's like that funny meme that's on, on, the, on the internet where it says, I've tried everything to lose weight. And the person says, have you eaten less and done exercise? No, but I've tried everything. And it's like people come to you and say, you know, my life's falling apart and I've tried everything. Have you read the word and spent time with Jesus? No, but I've tried everything else. That we cannot replace. Our soul needs the word of God. Hebrews 6, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. God restores our soul by taking rest. God never hurries. This is from A.W. Tozer. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. Decisions, decisions, decisions. That can create soul fatigue. It's a kind of fatigue. It's like, it's just all of these things that you need to give answers to. And our, and our minds become cluttered and we have cluttered cupboards and cluttered checklists and cluttered calendars and cluttered commitments. I opened up my cupboard, which was meant to be my wellness cupboard where I have vitamins and it's overflowing with a whole bunch of stuff. I said, that's it. Clutter. It's cluttering our inner world. And you know it's too much when you look at the Cheesecake Factory and you're just overwhelmed by that menu. I'm tired of making decisions. Choose something for me. And someone said, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Because either way, your soul will shrivel. If we reflect on the life of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus faced enormous stresses. 
difficulties, pain. He had a massive mandate. He was the savior of the world. Yet he doesn't say, oh, my father just tells me what to do. I'm just about my father's business. You know, he wasn't cynical and disgruntled and irritated and ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Somehow he was connected to the source, his father, and there was grace that flowed out of him and through him to others. He also, where the disciples were trying to gather crowds and please crowds, Jesus was trying to flee crowds and seek solitude with, Jesus, with, with his father. Where are your green pastures? Where are your still waters? Jesus was not driven by affirmation or approval. That is the root of all striving. And you can go this week and see where do you feel unrest and you'll see and you'll find that the root of it is wanting affirmation and approval. When Jesus, we know that when he came up, when he got baptized and when he came up from the water, before he had done any ministry, his father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he had a baby girl this week. What does he do? He announces it because he's so proud. Has she done anything? No, she caused her mother great pain this week. But yet, so proud of her in her weakest, most vulnerable moment, doesn't need affirmation approval, already has it. So we need to be, our identity needs to have, my affirmation, my approval is found from God, and that is where your rest will come from. Can I have the worship team up while we just continue to bring this to an end? Isaiah 49 verse 10. They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to springs of water. God wants to guide you to springs of water. We are constantly wandering away from the river. You know, we drink, we feel strong, and we think God's good to go. Imagine, imagine if this was it. I finished this water, I'm done. I'm done drinking water. In an hour, I'm going to be thirsty. You know, it reminds me of um, Bear Grylls. What does he do when he, he runs out of water, when he's not close to a water source? He drinks his own urine. That can only keep you going for I don't even know how long. Eventually, he needs to find real water. We can't source ourselves. At creation and at birth, God breathed his life and we need to be connecting to him. When tempers and waves of worry and growing guilt Those are symptoms of a dehydrated soul. Imagine God gives you just an ATM and it's filled of grace. It's just filled with grace. And you can draw from that whenever you want. But you stray from that and you go deep into the desert and God says, come back to my ATM. Don't be like beggars. Jesus is inviting you. Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And there's an invitation behind you that you are invited. You're invited today. You're invited tomorrow. You're invited wherever you are to continue to drink from Jesus. So the the worship team is going to lead us into a song. And I just encourage you to drink if we can stand. If we can just come to God with our dehydrated souls. And we just ask God to come and touch us afresh. Thank you for listening. 
Insights to Buy.org.